0: Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord this morning. Good to be in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, it, it, half of you are still uh, sitting down. Let's get back up. We're gonna get into the word real quick, and then I promise I'll let you I'll let you relax this morning. But praise God, God is good, and I know that He's He's got a word uh, this morning. How you feeling this morning? Y'all feeling all right? Amen. The week after uh, Resurrection Sunday is uh, is always interesting because leading up to it, it's like man there 's always there 's always this hype there 's always this expectation of what God is going to do and then and then people come and then uh it 's like they forgot you know they, they forget that Jesus is still alive so don 't don't don 't let that don 't let don 't let that distract you that we still have a God that is living right we still have a God that is resurrecting life and pe and and, and people that are coming into this place can still find freedom even if it 's not resurrection sunday amen and uh, God gave me this word this morning uh, that it's really been on my spirit for for a few weeks now. It's found in Acts. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 5. And we're going to be reading 1 through 11. 1 through 11. If you don't see somebody here this morning, reach out to them and let them know they were missed. Amen. That is, that is all of our jobs as a church. <clears throat> Acts 5, 1 through 11. If you have it, you can give me a nice amen. an ouch message. <laughs> All right, y'all ready? I, 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 want, I want y'all's attention this morning. Can y'all, give it, can y'all give it to me for like 40 minutes? Amen. It says this, it says, But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and, his, uh, and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, "Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Uh, why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God." And when Ananias heard these words, he fell dead, and uh, he, he fell da- uh, down and breathed his last. And great fear, someone say fear, Fear. great fear came upon all who heard it. And the young men rose and wrapped him and carried him out and buried him. And after about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me, notice that he didn't say, I'm sorry for your loss. He says, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young men came in, found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear, someone say fear, Fear. came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Amen. Holy Spirit, my God, we, we thank you this morning for bringing us here into your house, my God, to hear your word, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would be on my lips, my God, and that you would be on our hearts, Father, that we would open up our minds, open up our hearts to receive this word, my God, uh, with, with conviction, Father God, so that there would be freedom, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> amen. I want to talk about something this morning that I believe is, is a very real moral problem, and it's not a new problem. I think it's a problem that's been around since Adam and Eve, but it's, it's a plague that sometimes we think exists only in the lives of the world, only the, the unbelievers, um, but it is very much um, in existence in the church, and this is the lack of fear for the sovereign almighty God. There's no more fear even among those people in the church. Is going to be one of those. This is going to be one of those this morning. Okay. We often criticize the world, right, for not having fear. the 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 That young man who came in and he uh, he he broke into our church twice, took our instruments twice. Um, the cops caught him, by the way, right? Justice and Jesus. <laughs> uh, and uh, the, the detective called me uh, maybe a month or so ago, and and he said that this this man had a uh, he he had a, a pattern of tracking. Uh, down churches and, and he would go into churches and he would take their instruments. And when he said that, immediately I thought, man, some people just got no fear of the Lord. they Got no fear. And as I started to think about that more, I'm like, you kind of expect that for an unbelieving world. Like, I don't, I don't fear Muhammad. I don't fear Krishna. I don't fear Zeus. I don't fear Buddha. I don't fear that which I know isn't real. Right, I fear the Lord because he's real. His presence is real. His word is real. I fear the Lord. And there is a real danger when you know God, but you don't fear God. The Bible talks about Ananias and his wife. They were both members of the believing community. This wasn't a couple from outside the church. They knew better. They were in the church. They gave their offering. They were listening to the preachings and the teachings of the apostles, but they failed to fear the Lord. And that's the title of my message this morning. If if you're taking notes, it's failed to fear. And I know, you know, a lot of times we... We, we speak against fear like we don't want to fear. Fear is bad. You know, the Holy Spirit. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Right. You should not fear death. You should not fear man. You should not fear uh, the storms that, that come our way. I agree with all of that. But we if, if we fail to have a fear of the Lord, that's a problem. And so I want to talk about that, this concept of fearing God, because I think a lot of people get confused. What does it mean to have the fear of the Lord? Proverbs 1-7 is like the, the, the staple verse of, of, of Proverbs. And it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And this is King Solomon writing this, this book of Proverbs and he's writing, he's writing Proverbs with a young audience in mind. And he's hoping to raise up the next generation of, of leaders in wisdom because the next generation will be the next generation of leaders, right? They're going to be running the country one day. They're going to be pastoring the churches one day. And if they're not raised up in wisdom, I fear for my life. I fear for the church. And so Solomon wants to instill wisdom into this next generation. Uh, uh, The book of Proverbs is actually known as wisdom literature. And I would encourage you to read it. Read it to your children. Let your children read it because there's a bunch of good stuff in there. But wisdom is, is what Solomon is trying to get this young generation to understand. But he says the beginning of that is fearing God. That is the starting point. If you want wisdom, if you want knowledge, it begins with fearing the Lord. So, so a takeaway for us as parents is to instruct our children in the fear of the Lord, right? And what is the fear? Uh, to fear God means to uh, revere God. It means to honor God. But it also goes way, 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 way beyond that. Way beyond that. You know, I, I, I went to court one time in my life when I was like 18 it was for like a speeding ticket or something like that. I can't remember. But I remember going into that courtroom with fear and trembling because the, the judge that day, he, he, was, he was either really good at his job or he just had a really rough day because he was, he was mean. And the way that he talked to people, it was, it was scary. And he, he, he wouldn't flinch. He wouldn't smile. And I made sure that when I was right there in front of him, he knew that I respected him. I was like, your majesty, your highness, all the the words, you know, you know, (laughs) I might have gotten up there and been like, yes, sir. Um, But but you know what? The moment I left that courtroom, I had no more fear. Because it was done. I I, I paid the ticket. Can't do anything to me anymore. But when I was in there, man, I, I was in there for like a speeding ticket. And I felt like this guy has the power to send me to jail if I say the wrong thing. I feared him in his presence, but I didn't fear him out of his presence. And and to fear the Lord isn't just about revering his presence. It's not just about being on your best behavior when you're at church. It's about revering his law. It's about about the fear of disappointing him. It's about the fear of not submitting to his will. It's about the fear of, of being found in disobedience. That's what the fear of the Lord is. You know, people know how to show respect at church. Leave. Showing respect to a sanctified building if you're just going to be acting a fool when you leave. That's, that's that's what I'm talking about. And look, parents from every single generation. My parents did it, their parents did it. I'm doing it as a parent. Every parent knows how to instruct their kids when it comes to public places. <laughs> because we the last thing we want is to be embarrassed. By our kids in public. So, what do we tell our kids? Don't run in church. Don't run in. I, I just got after Layla this morning because she, she just bought this little skip it thing, you know, the little skip it thing. And she was just doing it right there in the foyer during service. I was like, like what are you doing? Pastor's kids are the worst, man. <laughs> but that's what we said. Don't, don't, don't talk during class. Don't eat in the sanctuary. All of that is good. But listen, I want you to hear this. If we're not careful, we will inadvertently teach our kids that to be good in public is more important than to be good in private. And that fearing people and fearing leaders and fearing the pastor comes before fearing God. Fearing the Lord isn't only about fearing him in his presence. It's not just fearing him in the presence of other people. To fear the Lord is to revere all that God is. When Abraham took his son up to the mountain to slaughter his son, God said, don't lay a hand on that child. For now I know that you fear me. That's a crazy way to test one's devotion. Right. But God's got his ways. Right. He says, I know that you fear me now because you did not withhold your own son. That's the fear of the Lord. It's God before anything that I love. It's God before anything that I'm uncomfortable with. Anything that I don't understand. Some may call it crazy. Some may call it cultish. But that is the fear of the Lord. And I want you to notice that Abraham, he didn't he didn't go up to Mount Moriah in the presence of anybody else. It was just him, his son, and God. That was it. There was, there was no pressure for him to succumb to. There was no... <clears throat> Excuse me. There was no pressure um, from people to say, "Really, you're gonna you're gonna like slaughter your son." That's kind of intense. There was no pressure to please anybody. That's the fear of God. And let me let me tell you that the fear of Lord uh, the fear of the Lord it encompasses every aspect of life, <clears throat> every aspect of life. Because to fear God is what to obey God. And so if you're constantly disobeying God with the way that you dishonor your husband. <clears throat> or the way that you fail to love your wife, you are failing to fear God. You're losing that battle every time because you've become okay with disobeying his word when it comes to that aspect of life. If you're, if you're constantly uh, fearing external things, the, the things that God says, do not fear for I am with you, you are failing to fear God. If I'm constantly sinning with the things that I've already given to God, and I'm running back to those chains That that have been loose. I I always pray, God, break these chains and destroy these chains. Because breaking chains is one thing, but if you leave the chains there, you're always gonna be running back to them because you know they're there. God, break the chains and destroy the chains. I want to I want to make it happen to where I don't even know where I left the thing that I left. But if you're constantly going back to those things that you said, God, I repent from, you're not fearing the Lord. That's not fearing God. Maybe you didn't think that the fear of the Lord ran that deep. Maybe you just thought it meant don't run in church. But to fear the Lord is to fear him when he watches the way that you steward your money that he's given you. It's to fear him when he hears the way that you talk about other Christians. Don't tell me you fear God and you have a problem with gossip. Don't tell me you fear God when you're acting in foolishness in everything that you do. But you know how to worship well. This is why Solomon says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's the starting point of knowledge and wisdom. Because if you fear him in everything, you will be led in knowledge and wisdom in everything that you do. And so if I act in foolishness in some area of my life, I can probably trace that foolishness back to a place where I failed to fear. The book of Proverbs, it it contrasts the wise and the foolish. The wise fear the Lord, the foolish do not. Parents, teach your kids how to fear the Lord. Teach them how to fear the Lord. You hear I me? Mean? Teach them how to fear the Lord. It was brought up today that there was a, there was a law recently passed in, in, in um, one of the states that, that would take away children who decide that they want to have uh, a surgery um, um, to become, you know, uh, the, the opposite sex. And, and that's considered child abuse. And like, I'm thinking there's so many people that haven't been raised in wisdom. This is why it's so important for the church at the very least. The church, the church, the church. We are the voice of reason. We are are the voice that represents God. And if we're not speaking up, if we're not speaking up, if we're not standing up, if we're not raising our children in, uh, in wisdom and in the fear of the Lord, I fear for the next generation teach your kids how to fear the Lord. You know, I, I wish I could have known the family dynamic between Isaac and Abraham after this incident. Like Isaac had to have come off the altar terrified. What are you, what are you, what are you doing? Dad, just try to kill me. It had to be an awkward trip down the mountain, Right? Because it was, it was a traumatic event for both of them. But I, I believe that it, at the very least, showed Isaac something. If anything good came out of this, it showed Isaac something. It showed, it showed Isaac that his father feared the Lord. Because there's no doubt that, at this point, Isaac feared his dad. I'm, that guy tried to kill me. I'm afraid of that man. I'm a, <laughs> and if that man, his dad, feared the Lord and was just acting out in obedience, that was going to teach Isaac to fear the Lord. And it's interesting that um, one of the names of God that never gets gets taught, never gets spoken about, because it's only mentioned one time in the Bible— it's, it's spoken by Jacob. Jacob is the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham, and it's found in Genesis, uh, Genesis 31, 42. He's talking to his uncle Laban. If you know that story, uh, Laban was a total jerk, man. And we don't have time to get into it, but, um, but Jacob refers to God as, as the name, the fear of Isaac. He's calling God the fear of Isaac. And and scholars don't really, they're not really sure what to do with this because there's not a lot of context giving. So there's no, there's no definitive answer as to why God was called the fear of Isaac. But it could be that it was, it was known around the family that Isaac feared the Lord tremendously from when he was a kid. Almost having been killed by his dad who, who, was, who, told, uh, who was told by God to, to slaughter his son. So Jacob says that God is the fear of Isaac, the one whom Isaac fears. Because if anyone knew how to fear God, it was Isaac. And there's a lot of Christians, guys, who don't know how to walk in the fear of the Lord. It's quiet this morning. It's real quiet this morning. I heard, I heard John Bevere asked, And not love the heart of God. You can love the ministry. You can love the church. You can love the lost, and not fear Him at the same time. I love my daughters with all my heart. There's nothing I wouldn't do for them. I would die for them. I might even kill for them one day. Who knows? Time will tell. Depends on who they bring. But but I don't fear my daughters. I don't fear them. At least sometimes, because she's crazy, man. But. I don't, for the most part, I don't fear my dog. I love them with all my heart, but I don't fear them. You can love and not fear. And I worry that many Christians are walking around without fear. Love the Lord your God. Yes, that is the greatest commandment. But without fear, you will never honor him as Lord. With all love and no fear, God is just your friend. And God's not your friend. God is God. With with, with all love and no fear, God is just your teddy bear. That you get to, you, you love to be in his presence and you love the nights of worship and it feels so good and you cry and it's, it's just, you have a good cry and then you leave without the fear of the Lord. And, and, and when Christians stop fearing God, man, it, it's dangerous. It's so dangerous, man. And I, I fear for a generation that does not fear the Lord. It's dangerous because you'll begin to abuse the word of God, you'll begin to read scripture and take uh, for it what you want it to be. I don't, I don't care how anointed, I want you to hear me, okay? I don't care how anointed you think someone is, how spirit-filled do you think their ministry is? If a preacher gets onto a platform and he begins to abuse the word of God and twist the word of God and says things that go contrary to the word of God, I don't care how much authority they pretend to have. I fear for the prophet or the teacher or the preacher of the word that has no fear of God. Because God says these will be judged more harshly. Because man, these these, these people are all over the internet. They're all over YouTube. Everybody's sharing them, and I'm like, "Stop sharing these guys, man!" There was a, there was I saw a video yesterday. I don't know I don't know if it was a new video or, or it's just starting to go viral. But I, I just I, I saw this video. There was this preacher, and I'm sad to say it, it looked like a Pentecostal church. Um, and and uh, there was this because there was there was people that were. You know, they were speaking in tongues. It, 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 if you would have gone into the service, you might have felt something. You might, have, you might at first glance, man, this, they're, they're getting it in here. But the preacher, he brings out a snake. He brings out a snake. And, he, and it's a venomous snake. And he says, I know that if I get bit by the snake, the Lord will hear me, uh, heal me. And so he allows the snake to bite his ear. And you see all the blood come everywhere. And all of a sudden, his energy begins to die down. A few seconds later into the video, this guy's throwing up. I don't, I don't know if he made it. But that is stupid. That's stupid. And people are in there thinking that this is, this, is, this is the word of God. And they're speaking in tongues. And it's like the Holy Spirit is moving. That is stupidity. I fear for that man who takes the word of God and abuses it. If you approach the word of God without care and you intend to teach the word of God without care, you don't fear the Lord. I'll just say it like that. I'll I'll just say it like that because this 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 is a weapon. This is a weapon. I will never give a weapon, a deadly weapon, into the into the hands of somebody who does not know how to use it because they will hurt somebody. You don't fear the Lord. If you don't take care of his word and intend to teach, you just want to be in ministry. Do I sound mad this morning? I'm not mad. When, when you have no fear of God, here's another one. You'll be okay with sin. You'll Begin to compromise. That, 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 was, that was a word Sister Steph gave earlier. Compromise. You'll begin to tell people, your sin is okay. You know, sin is sin. I sin, you sin, we all sin. I think we need to stop saying sin is sin. Because even though it's true in the eyes of God, sin is sin, some sin runs a lot deeper than others. There's a difference between falling into sin and living a lifestyle of sin. And to somebody who doesn't know better, you can send the wrong message. Sin is sin. Oh, okay. I can I can come with my sin and stay with my sin. No, that is not that's not the message. Come as you are, but you cannot stay as you are. Jesus wants to do heart surgery on you. I was in a pastor's uh, little roundtable discussion this past week, and there was there was this pastor who is in the Montrose area, and he said he's starting to get uh, you know a lot of LGBTQ members at his church, and and uh, um, he said. He, he said that he had this, you know, genuine conversation with with, uh, with the transgender person at the gym. Uh, as soon as as soon as uh, so they were they were talking, and then as soon as he said that he was a pastor, uh, she was just like turned off by the fact that he was a pastor, and she leaves. And he's like, "What what's wrong? What, like, I didn't I didn't say anything that offended you. What's what's going on?" And she said, "She said, well, the church has shown me time and time again." that they don't like me. They don't want me. I've never felt love in a church. I've, I've, I've always been hurt by churches and pastors. And he says, look, I'm, I'm sorry if, if you were hurt by them. Um, I believe that Jesus loves you. I know that Jesus loves you. We love you. We invite you to come and hear the word of God. We, we'll save a seat for you. But we don't agree with your lifestyle. We don't, I mean, we don't agree with it. doesn't mean we hate you. doesn't mean we're, we're going to treat you differently. But yes, we don't agree with your lifestyle. You know why people don't fear the Lord is because they fear people more. That's why that's what it comes down to, because people will give you a reaction. You'll, You'll get to see the facial expressions from people. They'll give you praise or they'll give you hate. They'll elevate you or they'll cancel you. People tend to be louder than God. And we're attracted to the noise. We're afraid of the noise. And so in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you're still with me, right? Okay, we see that their deception was motivated by a desire to receive the praise of people. Going back to what I said earlier, if we're not careful, we can learn how to fear people before we fear God. And and all the good that we do is simply for the pleasing and the praising of people. So... I want, to, I want to read the end of chapter 4 real quick of Acts. We never, we never read this story along with the ending of chapter 4. Let's read the ending of chapter 4 real quick, and maybe the motives of Ananias and Sapphira will make a little bit more sense. Okay, Starting at verse 33, uh, 32. It says, now the full, th- this, is, this is the early church, talking about the early church. Now the full number of those who believed were, on, uh, were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon all of them. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or owners of houses sold them and brought, them, uh, to the, brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and distributed it to each as any had need. Thus, Joseph, who was also called the apostles uh, Barnabas, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And then we read... But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. So the lie that they had committed was that they sold this piece of property and and only brought a portion of the proceeds while making the church believe that they brought everything. That was a lie. Okay, and this is how it went down. I'm I'm 99% sure this is how it went down. Ananias and his wife. They were members of the very first church. The very first church. They they served along the apostles of Jesus and it was a thriving church. You guys know what it is to attend a thriving church. Amen. All right, you come you come to church Sunday after Sunday, you feel I mean you just feel energized, you feel re- refreshed when you leave here, man. We had a leaders meeting yesterday. I was so encouraged. I mean, we have we have a thriving church. The only thing that's not thriving real quick is Wednesday nights. Where y'all at, bro? Where are y'all at? That's another sermon, okay? For the most part, we're a thriving church, and that, that's where Ananias and Sapphira, they were in the middle of, of, of this incredible work that the Holy Spirit is, was doing. And so one day they decide to sell some property. And so they sell the property, but how is it going to look that St. Barnabas over there, old goody old two-shoes old Barnabas, sold, all, sold his property and gave all of it to the apostles. How is it going to look that we only give a little bit? How is it going to look that there's a lot of people in the church that are selling their property and giving all the proceeds while we just want to give a little bit? How is it going to look? You know what they're feeling? Pressure. Pressure from people. What are the people going to think if we don't give all of it? This, This is the internal conflict of so many Christians. What are they going to think if I don't show up What are they gonna think if I don't pray as long? What are they gonna think if I don't dance in the spirit like my sister Heather does? What are they gonna think if I don't speak in tongues? What are are people gonna think? It's all about what people are gonna say. And so sometimes we do to a lesser degree what Ananias and, and Sapphira did. There are Christians that who are holier in church than they are anywhere else. You ain't that holy. Your kids know you ain't that holy. God forbid you worship in here with your kids. So your kids are like. You're over here with your hands raised. Your kids are like. You're over here speaking in tongues. That sounds a lot different than what you sound like at home. Mom. Come on. Come on. You ain't that holy. But for fear of people. We put on a mask so that no one sees the real us. Because if they see the real us, they may think less of us. Who cares? Bro, who cares? Fakeness. Fakeness gets us nowhere. I, I respect my wife so much because she's the most real person I know. She's the most real person I know. She'd be like this if she was a pastor. She would be like this if she was not a pastor. I'm, I'm a little bit less... Like that, I'm. I'm a little bit more like, okay, I gotta, I gotta play the part. I am just being honest. One time, one time, I didn't check with D if I could tell them this, but one time, I, I asked her on a Sunday morning. I said, "You're gonna, you're gonna wear that." <laughs> My dad's like, oh, that's, "I taught, I taught you better, son." <laughs> It was an uncomfortable ride to church. You know, she's, she, she's real. Like she's not trying to be someone she's not, but, but that's what you get a lot in church. And that's why a lot of people think that, that, that churches are full of hypocrites guys, the honest, because there, there is, there is a little bit of fakeness in here. Maybe, 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 I wouldn't maybe call it hypocrisy, but maybe a little bit of fakeness. Like you're not, you're not the, you're not what you're presenting to people. Fakeness gets us nowhere. And, and look, I'm not saying don't respect people. We need to respect one another. We need to not bring certain things to certain people. And, and we should be showing respect and not be a stumbling block, uh, block to somebody. And I'm not saying if you walk at home, uh, walk around at home in your underwear to be the real you at church, you know, that's, that's inappropriate, right? I, I, obviously, you know what I'm saying, right? Don't present yourself as someone you're not. Because that is not fearing God. That is fearing people. And I love that, that Peter confronts Ananias. He's like, dude, that was your property to sell. You could, you could have done whatever you wanted with it. You have every right to do it. If you wanted to keep all the proceeds, you could have done that. It was your right. Yes, some religious folks would have probably judged you for it. Yes, there have been some people that would go up to you and say, you know, Barnabas gave his, the proceeds, right? Yeah, There's always going to be in the church. It's always going to be people that are going to say something. But he says, that was your property. You could, have, you could have sold it and gave all of it. You could have kept it. But you didn't do that. You lied about it. There are people at church today who are only here because people wanted you here. You're only here because you're expected to be here. Maybe you serve, maybe you're a leader, and you're only expected because of people. Now, accountability is good, but but if... If, you, if you're only here because of people, you got to fix that fear of the Lord problem. And I'm, I'm always going to do my best to reach out to people that I haven't seen in church for a while. But if you're only coming because I invited you week after week, like, there comes a point where I'm not going to send you a reminder again. There, there, was, a, there was a period in, in, uh, during the ministry where before our Instagram was like, fire, you know, because we, we didn't hire, but Alexa, right? <laughs> My sister told her. But before that, it was, our Instagram page was just like an announcement page. And every Saturday, it was like, oh, if we don't post a reminder for people to come to church, they might not come to church. I got fed up with that. Like, do you really need a reminder Saturday night to come to church? Right? I mean, churches are doing the most to bring people to church. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about the church to church. If you're not coming to church for any reason but God, maybe you come because that cute girl or that good-looking guy or because you want to be in ministry, you want to be in leadership, you got to fix that fear of the Lord problem. Because more than people, the Lord wants you here. God wants you to honor him here at his house and worship him, and he wants you to fear him. We've got Christians in the church who don't fear the Lord. And all this is practice for another church. I'm going to preach at later, right? Y'all fear God, right? But Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to the church. Peter says, in doing so, they lied to God. All for a moment of self-glorification. God will not, I've said this many times, God will not share his glory. The work of the Holy Spirit, but what he was doing in the early church, that alone was enough. That it, that was it. The Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't need my, my money, doesn't need my generosity. He'll use it. But if I'm doing things just for my, for my self-glorification, to say, look at how much I do. Look at how much I have given. Look at, look at the song that I can sing. Look how well I can sing it. Look how well I can preach this sermon. If it's just for me, I, I believe that is why the punishment was so severe. Because God had to send this message. You know, God, God doesn't share his glory. God doesn't share his glory. And, and it reminds me of the words of Jesus when, when he said, many will say to me, uh, Lord, did we not prophesy and cast out demons and do mighty works in your name? And he will say, I never knew you. Because the day that you thought you could get a piece of the glory of God for yourself was the day that you lost all fear for God. This happened to Satan. He began to elevate himself. He began to want the, the beauty and the splendor. He thought himself better than God. And he began to glorify himself. He lost all fear of God. And God said, out. Proverbs 8.13 says that the fear of the Lord is to hate the evil of pride and arrogance. God will share his glory with no one, church. No one. I'm, I'm getting ready to close. i have the worship team come up. But this, the story says that both Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead. Now, this, this, this is a unique event. This doesn't apply to everyone, obviously. There's plenty of people who, who have lost the fear of the Lord, and they're very much alive. But I think this serves as a whole reminder to the people of God that a lack of fear of the Holy Spirit will ultimately result in death. Look, we know that we serve a gracious God. And we love those sermons, right? Because it's beautiful. The grace of God is beautiful. It's powerful. But yes, we also serve a just God and and we need to talk about it. We serve a God who let's not forget, will one day pour out his wrath upon the earth of those who did not believe. And, and can I tell you that, that just because you're in church doesn't make you safe. There will be a judgment for the, for, for the church as well. Because you can be a part of the church and not a part of the kingdom. You can go all your life in the church, but if you failed to fear the Lord, judgment will come. man. Judgment will come. The church needs to return to the fear of God. I'm talking about everybody, man. Everybody. The the global church needs to return to the fear of the Lord. This is the God who holds all power of life and death in his voice. And as always, guys, look, I'm I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to you, and I'm preaching to myself. The Lord has been challenging me recently to, to fear to fear him in, in ways that I've never feared him before. Because you know what? I, I was fearing the Lord's presence. I had a rever- I have a reverence for God's presence. I, I have a reverence for the things that he cares about. But there were aspects of my life that I failed to fear. I was I was not operating in wisdom because I didn't begin with fearing God. And so look at your life and ask yourself, where am I foolish? Why am I constantly messing up? I bet it could be traced back to not fearing the Lord in that area. And so, let me just testify, man. I have found in my life that the more I fear God, the less I fear anything else. The more I fear God, the less anything else intimidates me. I mean, and... And Jesus said this, didn't he? I mean, he said, do not fear those who can, who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can kill both soul and body. The more you fear God, the more you make him Lord. You hear that? The more you fear God, the more you make him Lord. The more I fear God, the less powerful things become. And can I tell you something, church? Church? Some of you might not like this, but the devil isn't afraid of you. The devil isn't afraid of you. Some of y'all are like, oh, he, he afraid of me. I'll stop on the devil. Pop him in his face. He doesn't fear you. The, 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 the boy who had that unclean spirit was brought to the disciples. The men who walked with Jesus. The men who touched Jesus. The men who were learning from Jesus. They couldn't cast him out. They didn't, they didn't fear the disciples. The devil doesn't fear you, but he does fear the one in you. He fears God. Last week I talked about everything coming subject to the name of Jesus. That is what the enemy fears. He fears Jesus, man. He feared baby Jesus. He feared Jesus when he came as an infant. He tried to get him killed through Herod. He feared Jesus when he was about to start his ministry, when Jesus was fatigued in the desert after fasting for 40 days. He fears Jesus even more today because Jesus showed how he can defeat death. The devil fears Jesus. James says that, that the demons they believe and they tremble at the name of Jesus. So so it's not you that the devil fears, it's not me, it's not a pastor, it's not a prophet. It's God that the devil fears. The Bible says in Revelation, I I, I still have your attention. I want you to get this last piece, okay? The Bible says in Revelation that the devil knows that his time is short. He knows it. He's not stupid. He knows it. He knows. He's probably got to watch on with the stop time. Well, he, don't, he don't know the hour, right? But he's probably got to watch. He's like, man, we got to get as many people into hell as possible. We got to separate as many people from God as possible. That's what, he gonna, that's what he's going to do. When you have nothing less to lose, you are going to wreak havoc. And that is what the devil is doing. He is on the prowl, and he's hungry. So what... What does the devil do when he knows that he has nothing left to lose and he's just waiting his death sentence? He tries to take as many people out as he can. So this is what Satan tries to do. Satan tries to sell the church his version of fear. I want you to get this. Man, I want you to get this. The devil is trying to sell you his version of fear. What does Satan mean? It means adversary. That's what it means. When Satan is used as a proper noun in the Greek, it means the adversary. Adversary means what? Opponent. So anything that goes contrary to God, you can literally call it Satan. Satan's not always a proper noun in Scripture. It means adversary. Adversary of who? The holy God. Anything that comes contrary to who God is can be called Satan. You, you might have thought that people are just extra religious for rebuking Satan out of everything. But remember, Jesus called Peter Satan. <laughs> like, Get behind me, Satan. Because there was an adverse spirit in his miss. There was opposition to the mission of Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. And so when when fear... That is not the fear of the Lord comes your way, you get to rebuke that adverse spirit and say, Get behind me, Satan. When that anxious spirit comes your way, you get to rebuke Satan because God wants to overwhelm you with his peace. Satan wants you, Satan wants to sell you his version of fear and he'll wrap it up in anxiety and he'll wrap it up in worry and he'll wrap it up in doubt and he'll wrap it up in storms and fear because if you can fear these things, you will be too busy to fear God. And this has been my personal testimony, church, I'm telling you. But when I began to let the devil know that I don't fear worry anymore, I don't fear fear anymore. I don't fear what man can do anymore. I don't fear what people are going to say. I don't fear what people are going to think. I I don't fear. I don't fear that because the one that I fear is greater in me than he who is in this world. That is who I fear. And when I had that shift of mind, man, can I testify that worry began to lose its power. Anxiety began to fall. I was fearful of, the things that I was rebuking, I put my eyes on Jesus and I begin to tremble in his presence because my God is greater than all of those things. The devil wants to sell you his version of fear that will distract you from God. Listen, man of God, he's convinced a generation of men that you can fear your wife. you don't need to fear God and so there's a bunch of men watching things, doing things in the presence of God that they would never do in the presence of their wife you are fearing your wife more than you're fearing the almighty God The devil has convinced people, okay, maybe maybe, maybe don't do that in front of of the Christian folk. Maybe don't say that in front of your pastor. But you can do it in private. You fear people more than you fear God. We have a generation who has bought this counterfeit version of fear from the devil himself. And I'm challenging you, people of God, to come back to the fear of the Lord. Because everything is subject to the name of Jesus. Why don't you stand? Can we do waymaker? Can we do waymaker? I want to invite you this morning, church. Come on, put put fear to rest and begin to fear in the Almighty God, the miracle worker, the waymaker, the one who can restore, the one who can cast out, the one who can set free. Begin to fear God, and nothing else will scare you again. Begin to tremble at the voice. for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.